the first podcast of the series about infrastructure for KPMG South America app begins now. Hello, everyone. I uh, hope you are all well and safe. Uh, this is our first KPMG LATAM infrastructure podcast. The objective of this podcast is to keep you updated regularly on what is going on in the infrastructure in the region. In each podcast, one of our leaders interviews a relevant stakeholder involved in matters that are relevant for infrastructure planning and delivery in the region. And our first podcast is with Chris Garman, Managing Director for the Americas at Eurasia, a global political risk research and consulting firm. Hi, Chris. Thank you for all your participation in our podcast. Thank you very much. Real pleasure to be able to participate. Chris, um, let's start with this uh, global pandemic crisis that is also severely affecting uh, Latin America. What's your views on how governments across the region are responding to COVID-19? Yeah, no, that's, um, that's, that's a good first question. Um, I would say, uh, before answering specifically, is that the challenges and the ability of, of governments across Latin America to respond uh, to this global pandemic um, is probably more challenging in comparison to what we're seeing in industrialized economies. Uh, what we're seeing across industrialized economies in Europe, in the United States, is that this uh, pandemic uh, generates enormous challenges. On the one hand, um, you know, the necessity to enact measures of social isolation to be able to, to flatten the curve of infection in order to be able to give time for your public health systems and your health systems to be able to manage uh, the pace uh, of infections. And on the other hand, um, uh, a need to be able to extend a safety, uh, a social safety net uh, to workers, families, um, in a context of an economic shutdown and credit line to businesses to be able to traverse uh, this period of a lockdown. Um, in Latin America, these trade-offs are much more difficult to manage. On the one hand, you have countries uh, which are lower income. Uh, you have more densely urban populated um, segments uh, in large cities. Uh, you have segments of the, of the population that live in more precarious living conditions. So the effectiveness of measures of social isolation are lower. Uh, the, the opportunity costs are higher because you have swaths of the population in an informal economy that rely upon a daily wage to, for sustenance. And therefore, the need for a social safety net is larger, but the ability to be smaller because these countries are dealing with fiscal challenges and public health systems are more precarious. Um, so I think that uh, that Latin America is less poorly positioned to deal with the nature of challenges of a pandemic. That said, when we look across the region, the response has been reasonable. Countries across the region have enacted measures of a lockdown earlier in comparison to their counterparts in Europe, so they have the advantage of time to be able to uh, prepare. Governments have um, been enacting measures of, of fiscal uh, lifeline to families and to businesses uh, to varying degrees. Uh, and obviously, we've seen um, some important differences in the region. But I, I would say that the concerns um, uh, in Latin America have less to do with the script of the policy measures that have been enacted, but more that the countries in the region are less poorly positioned to deal with the dramatic trade-offs and challenges inherent with a pandemic. Right, right, Chris. And the fact is also that, um, and you've mentioned these governments uh, will have to put important emergency packages to respond to the current crisis. Uh, you've also mentioned that um, the fiscal condition of these governments across the region is different from industrialized countries. 
what's your view on the impact of those emergency measures on the region public finances? Yeah, that's going to be a that's going to be a real challenge. You look at the size of the fiscal measures that have been enacted across Europe and United States. You're talking about fiscal relief efforts, either from direct fiscal benefits on the one hand to credit measures on the other, that are entering into double digits as a share of GDP. Right, um, in order to be able to give conditions to survive, like companies to be able to survive a period of an economic paralysis. You look at the size of the economic packages that have been announced so far. You know, some of the countries that have been more aggressive in the region, you know, you include Peru in that regard, announcing a package of fiscal relief of 12 percentage points of GDP. Chile, um, second, at about 4.7 percentage points of GDP. Brazil then follows with about, you know, anywhere from three to four percentage points. But you look at Mexico, uh, Argentina, Argentina and Colombia between one and two, Mexico uh, under one. So the size of these um, fiscal packages are smaller. Um, which does generate uh, concern in terms of the economic damage that a, a paralysis of the economy can ensue. But we also think that this price tag will grow in a context where the fiscal hurdles um, have been significant. You look across the region, of course, the two countries that 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 um, that call out as being more vulnerable from a financial point of view is Ecuador and Argentina, who have been negotiating a, a deal with the IMF. But countries like Brazil and Colombia, who already have a higher debt-to-GDP ratio, that certainly makes the fiscal challenges um, um, you know, greater uh, in the post-pandemic environment. So a lot of the post-pandemic landscape uh, may very well be shaped by how do you pay and foot the bill for the significant increase in your debt-to-GDP ratio that you're going to see in a lot of countries in the region. Right, right. Um, and Chris, moving to infrastructure, um, the gap in the region is already substantial, with uh, some estimates highlighting the need for governments to invest around $6 trillion until 2040. Um, what will be the impact, in your view, of this pandemic in the government's ability to deliver its infrastructure promise? And, and here I divide the question in two, because I think there will be the need to deliver quickly an infrastructure plan uh, in the short term to revive the economy. And then, of course, there's all of the, the, the bigger plan, uh, the long term plan that also the government needs to deliver. Yeah, no, no, great question. Listen, I mean, I, what I would say is there are going to be two different stages in terms of the policymaking environment uh, across the region. The first stage, which we're living in right now, is government's trying to be able to provide a lifeline to workers who are unemployed, to companies that need lines of credit. So this isn't. Um, this has to do with very near-term relief uh, to make it through a period of uh, economic paralysis. The next stage will be when governments across the region are dealing with an economic contraction that can range from minus three to minus six percentage points of GDP uh, this year, potentially, potentially even more than that. Um, you know, there's going to be a, a political debate over what can be done to be able to generate conditions for an economic rebound. And here, this is where the infrastructure plans will come into place. Clearly, uh, there will be an effort to be able to to um, increase investments in infrastructure. Uh, the challenge, of course, is that there's going to be a large debt overhang. And so the room for discretionary spending may be smaller 
in some of these projects. So government-led infrastructure pro- uh, programs may have less room to uh, to move forward. But what it should do is also increase the incentives of governments across the region to look to the private sector more aggressively. So infrastructure projects that rely upon private investments, they will have more appeal precisely because the fiscal constraints uh, will be will be much larger. The one kind of final word of warning is that you know while obviously that conspires um, constructively for infrastructure investments across the region, we do have to keep an eye on a political risk that emerges in a recessionary environment coming out of like a deep contraction that we're going to have uh, with COVID nineteen, which is you're going to have a lot of consumers wanting relief. Uh, in terms of the services that they pay. So we are seeing, for example, in Brazil, proposals in Congress uh, to have a reprieve on the ability to have to pay for for toll services, reprieve in terms of payments for sanitation or telecommunication services. So some infrastructure buckets could be uh, pressured from a political point of view uh, as measures of recipients of relief. But I think that for the most part, what I would say is that a, a deep contraction that we that we should see this year, uh, and the need to to leverage infrastructure investments is going to is going to make governments more open to attract to to generate more attractive conditions for investments in infrastructure. Correct. Um, totally, totally agree, Chris. Um, but but to attract such uh, investment, countries need to be uh, well prepared. And when I say well prepared, there needs to be some sort of a political consensus about priorities and about the involvement of the of the private sector. Uh, it needs to have uh, uh, public sector capacity to deliver these uh, these projects, and also, of course, some fiscal room to deliver that. Uh, what's your view, uh, looking at LATAM, of what are the countries better prepared to deliver their infrastructure plans in the short term? Yeah, I mean, what I would say is that from a, you know, and they also need an environment of political stability to be able to have a, a um, yeah. an environment in which you have predictability on the on the scope of investments. When we look across the region, the two countries that I think, from a strictly political point of view, that could could be in for a bit more of a uh, of um, of kind of noisy environment or more challenging political environment are probably Mexico and Brazil. Uh, Mexico and Brazil are two um, uh, countries in the region whose presidents have adopted a political strategy of minimizing the size of the pandemic because they were worried about the economic contraction that will come with measures of social isolation. So, uh, uh, so what's interesting to note is that those are the two presidents right now whose approval ratings are dropping precisely because they have been swimming against the public opinion demand for stronger measures of social isolation. Um, so if you look at Manuel Lopez Obrador and Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil, they may come out as political losers for this pandemic and how they're handling uh, the crisis. Uh, so that makes me a bit worried that, about political trends uh, after the pandemic in both Mexico and uh, Brazil. You look at Chile on the one hand, uh, Colombia on the other, uh, Peru. Um, these are governments that have probably, uh, particularly Chile and Peru, more fiscal room to maneuver on the one hand, and whose presidents uh, who are, are being seen as managing the crisis uh, more effectively and whose approval ratings are rising. So on a comparative basis, um, I would I would probably suggest a bit more of a bumpy uh, politics, uh, which does undermine 
the investment environment infrastructure um, in Mexico and Brazil, and probably a little bit less of a, of a challenging environment on a comparative basis. Um, we look at countries like Chile and Peru. Thank you. Thank you. Very insightful as as always. Uh, this was uh, Chris Garman from uh, from Eurasia. Then, and with with this uh, with this final remark, we conclude our our podcast. Thank you, Chris. Um, thank you, everyone. Stay safe. Thank you. Thank you, Fernando. You've just listened to the first podcast of the series about infrastructure for KPMG South America app.